today is Tuesday, April 14th, 2020, time for episode 108 of the Barnhart Podcast. Happy Easter, he is risen. Alleluia, alleluia, hooray! And also, hallelujah, we're getting our Trump checks for virus checks. Well, you are, I'm not. <laughs> there is that. In order to get the uh, to qualify for the COVID-19 payouts, you have to have filed uh, 2019 taxes, or if you haven't done that, the IRS will, or that's going to go on your 2018 tax returns, which I guess you haven't filed. So, um, yeah, I guess you're not going to be getting any of that. Nope, it's all for y'all. So enjoy that. Yep, I'll probably buy some toilet paper with it. Actually, there you go. Money well spent. Indeed. Uh, let's see. Aside from more COVID craziness, which I almost don't want to talk about, but that is a lot of our show notes, or, or at least some of the side or second and third order consequences of it. Has there really? Well, actually, no. There has been some big news. Cardinal Pell is now out of the slammer. Yes. And I mean, it's certainly, we've talked about this before on the podcast and I've written a little bit about it. It's, it's wonderful because of course the whole thing, that trial, what he was indicted for, there's no possible, possible, possible way on this or any other planet that he could have possibly done anything even close to what um, he was charged with in that trial. And so, yes, as, as a matter of um, the whole disgusting precedent that that Australian jurisprudence was actually trying to set was this whole notion that you can convict somebody not because they're necessarily guilty of what they've been indicted for, but just because they're they're gen- generally guilty. Um, and he was Pell is and still is, and his his life is actually in danger still, even though he's out of prison. He is so hated, and there is such there is such anti-Catholic um, vitriol in Australia because of how thorough the infiltration of sodomites into the church in Australia is, it's possible that Australia is the worst per capita. Um, and the the amount of child abuse that has gone on in Australia, so many people have in Australia have had growing up and, and so forth, be, going to Catholic schools, et cetera, et cetera. And just, it was ubiquitous. There was a, there was a phase in the, in the second half of the 20th century where just, if you, if you were a nine-year-old boy and you went into the confessional, you could pretty much count on being sexually propositioned by the pervert in the box. And so many Australians um, have had encounters with child sexual abuse from sodomite priests, that there is just this absolute foaming, foaming hatred of the church in general, and then of Pell individually, because he's been kind of at the top of the Australian church, and there's all kinds of things where he's been... really looks like he was turning a blind eye, helping, supporting, not really doing what he should in terms of cleaning these sodomites out. And, oh, there was, he recorded an interview that dropped um, within within the past 24 hours. And I, I sat and watched most of it, but I had to turn it off because he's just, oh, he's so cringe. He's so cringe. And one of the things that he said was that he, it was his attorneys who basically told him um, 
you're not going to testify. And he said, you know, in retrospect, they were absolutely right because I would have gotten really angry and I would have come off really bad on the stand. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's absolutely right. But he just, oh, he comes off so horribly all the time. And in this interview, he's talking and one of the questions was, you know, the interviewer asked him, what was your, what was your daily routine? What did you do? And he said, well, I, I gave the same advice. I took the, the same advice that I had given to, you know, other, other priests and religious who had, you know, gotten in a bit of trouble. And by that, he meant priests and religious who had wound up incarcerated, accused rightly or wrongly, with the sexual assault of children. And he kind of smirkingly referred to it as getting in a bit of trouble. And yeah, I mean, he, as soon as those words came out of his mouth, it was just the cringe that it's not that the hair on your arm stands up. That's not what it is. It's just the, oh, you, you, can't be so tone deaf. You've just spent over 400 days in maximum security, um, solitary confinement for a for a crime which you you clearly did not commit. But it was the the charge was that you had um, sodomitically raped two lads and. You've just spent over 400 days in prison for this, and within days of being released, you're you're referring to this whole paradigm of child sexual abuse as getting in a bit of trouble. See it because it, it referring to it as that it doesn't matter whether or not the the person is guilty or not in this sense. And here's what I mean by that: um, if a person is in prison, falsely accused of that, then, I mean, sodomizing a child is one of the most horrific things that any human being can do to another human being. Um, So referring to it as getting into a bit of trouble, if you're not, if the person is not guilty of it, the false accusation of that is one of the, is one of the worst false accusations that can possibly be made. If the person is guilty of it, that's one of the worst crimes you can commit because it isn't, it isn't just the thing about that is it's, it's, literally trying to murder the soul of a child, not murder the body, murder the soul. And that's why, that's how so many um, diabolical narcissists are formed out of um, child childhood sexual abuse, both male and female. All these women who are diabolical narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths who end up working in the sex trades, who end up becoming strippers, end up becoming prostitutes, like ni- high 90% of them will instantly tell you that they started getting sexually abused slash raped by their mother's boyfriends or husbands generally before puberty. Okay. And, and so they turn into diabolical narcissists and then they end up perpetuating, um, poor, uh, chastity Bono, who is now running around, has mutilated her body, is taking hormones so that she grows hair on her face. Cher's daughter, uh, Sonny and Cher's daughter, little chastity Bono, who was an absolutely 
darling little girl. Why, why did she descend into the diabolical narcissism that results in one of the most severe manifestations of it is, um, of course, this whole uh, transsexualism. Um, how, why, why did Chastity Bono end up doing this, this horrible crime against herself, mutilating herself horrifically? Because she started being raped at the age of nine by her nanny, her female nanny. And so ultimately, Cher is responsible for that. Um, and I hope that I hope that Cher somehow at some point realizes the full torment of that and repents of what she did before she dies, because she's absolutely complicit in in Chastity Bono's descent into this this horror. Um, so yeah, why do we have all these kids that grow up to be diabolical narcissists? Well, so much of it is because they were sexually abused as children. And that's, that's an attack on, on the human soul is what sexual abuse of children is. And so, you know, we're up hell referring to it as getting in a bit of trouble was so incredibly cringe. And yeah, he clearly he doesn't have normal self-awareness. Um, and he's he's notorious for that. He's notorious for being, I mean, I've heard him multiple people refer to him and as a sociopath and warning me off of him and saying, don't ever, you know, don't fall into that um that pell that Pell sphere of influence circle anything like that. Yeah, he he says some trad masses and and does some trad things and says some trad things, but ugh, and you just you just saw it in that interview and ugh, he's and again his life is still in danger because there there are people in Australia that genuinely genuinely want to lynch that man. He so Australia is going to be dangerous for him. Um, Rome is going to be dangerous because, yeah, he absolutely crossed. Uh, he he was installed by Bergoglio as the you know head of of the econ uh, the financial reform quote unquote. That was all a ruse. Why do you think Bergoglio installed him as that? Because Bergoglio knew that he could pull the trigger on this. And and Pell said the the top headline that people are pulling out of the Pell interview is that Pell said. Um, that yes, he he. Many people in high levels, high positions in Rome, believe that the Vatican, the Vatican was involved in his whole in this whole trial, and that there was there was f facilitation of this whole kangaroo trial that he went through. Um, there was facilitation of that from the Bergolian regime. Um, well, duh. Everybody knows that. But then again, cringe, eye roll, and just shaking your head. Pell goes out of his way to say, well, I don't think, I don't think Pope Francis is corrupt. I think the corruption stops at, at the feet of Pope Francis. And I don't think that Secretary of State um, P Pietro Perelin, I don't think Perelin is corrupt. And I mean, I just sitting there watching this and shaking my head and he, Pell clearly, clearly knows that Bergoglio is super corrupt, super dirty, up to his Argentinian eyebrows in 
every species of corruption, financial, sexual, everything, every species of corruption that's going on inside the Vatican. Pell, absolutely. I mean, this is this is beyond question. This is beyond question. The fact that he is still playing these language alert bullshit Vatican Curia political games and playing these games and saying, well, of course, Pope Francis isn't corrupt. Well, of course, Secretary of State Peril Lynn isn't corrupt because he's he's trying to grovel at the feet of anti-Pope Bergoglio because he because anti-Pope Bergoglio Bergoglio right now is the locus of power, and he thinks that Perlin is going to be the next the next pope, which or anti pope, as the case may be, and so he's trying to stay in the good graces of the power structure, even after all this, even knowing everything that he knows, he's still playing these bullshit games. It makes me sick. And it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of American politics when you would be watching C-SPAN and you know someone would get up in the Senate and they're giving Senate speeches. And you, you know that these people all absolutely hate and despise each other. But somewhat every time a senator would get up and go to the microphone, he, a senator would say something like, well, let me, what's an example? Um, let's say it's a Republican senator who's getting up to speak and he's taught and he has to address um, Ted Kennedy when Ted Kennedy was alive. And the Republican senator would go up to the microphone and say, and start talking about my extremely esteemed colleague from from the great state of Massachusetts, the lion of the Senate, Senator Ted Kennedy. And it, it was so fake and disgusting and false and phony. I mean, I'm no fan of, of um, contemporary British politics, but you know, at least when you, when you uh, tune in and watch those, um, the video feeds that come out of the, the parliament in the UK and they're all jeering and screaming and, you know, they're at each other and being nasty and rude and so forth. At least, at least there's a, there's a degree of sincerity there. That American political garbage of just constantly um, brown nosing and, and trying to pretend to be English gentlemen. Oh, trying to pretend to be English gentlemen. Exactly. And it's just, it's so, it's so disgusting. And Pell, even now, I mean, what is he thinking? If I were him, oh my goodness, I would call a press conference, have everything in writing ready to go and just drop the hammer on everyone and everything. Everything he saw, everything he discovered, and you know he discovered, I mean, he discovered literally billions of dollars. No exaggeration. Billions of dollars off the books, hidden, corrupt, mafia entanglements, anything you can possibly imagine. You know that he's got the goods on probably dozens of them. Why in the hell don't you drop the hammer on these people? Why don't you say something? And you know what? That brings up another point. 
You know who else needs to start doing some talking? Mary Ann Glendon, as in the mother of the odious Liz Lev, mother-in-law now of Father Thomas Williams, who Liz Levin and Father Thomas Williams have been were fornicating since the late 90s. Liz Lev had Father Thomas Williams's baby, you know, instituted a grand conspiracy to tr- try to cover it all up. But then on the other hand, they, she and Williams were carrying on an affair openly. Tom, Father Thomas Williams of the Legionaries of Christ, the most corrupt outfit, a, a stone cold racketeering organization operating using the front of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church as their racketeering front. Oh, all those people should be in prison. William should be in prison. All those people, the, the corruption. Let's talk about Mary Ann Glendon, who worked intimately with Father Thomas Williams to character assassinate all of the whistleblowers who came out in the early 2000s and tried desperately to blow the whistle on the satanic, child-raping, incestuous, drug-addled founder of the Legionaries of Christ, Marcel Maciel. Mary Ann Glendon and Father Thomas Williams were the two point, point people who were charged with character assassinating all of the whistleblowers for this, with regards to the the sexual abuse of seminarians, of children, of any anything and everything. Maciel would would was not picky in uh, in terms of what he was looking to abuse, including his own biological sons. Um, so Marianne Glendon is Liz Lev's. Uh, mother. Liz Lev runs the mafia that basically is the English-speaking department of the Vatican Museums. She says who gets tour guide licenses. That's all over now. Thanks be to God. So now that grifter mafiosa queen isn't running around running her grift inside the Vatican and the Vatican Museums. And I think more importantly, her clique of sodomite lapdogs who are notorious, one in particular, her quote-unquote quote, very gay best friend who stood as godfather of her of her uh, child with Williams, who is internationally notorious for not just engaging in sodomitical hookups with with on the Rome clerical gay scene, but hooking up inside St. Peter's Basilica itself. That's all come to an end. And you know what? The more this goes on, the more I am absolutely convinced that one of the reasons that the right arm of the of God Almighty has allowed this all to happen is to get that crap to stop. St. Peter's Basilica is being used as a bathhouse, and I am not kidding. Back to Marianne Glendon. So she's Liz Love's mother. She was appointed to the committee, um, this auditing committee, working under directly under Pell, she, she has no competence to do any of this, but she's a she's a political player, so she'll she'll play ball. So she's on this this um, financial reform committee. She quits, and then a few months after she quits, and she has not said one word about anything. You're on the committee from all this financial for all this financial reform. The, all of this massive financial corruption has come to light. 
Ma Glendon hasn't said a word. Well, here's the interesting thing. Mere months after Ma Glendon resigns from the um, Financial Oversight Cleanup Committee, guess what? Liz Lev and Thomas Williams both are given fellowships at the University of Notre Dame. No work, fake white collar money laundering straight up fellowships one semester 50 grand a piece because Notre Dame fellowships pay roughly 100,000 a year it was the both of them um for the for the fall semester which means it was 50 grand or thereabouts a piece which means it was 100 grand to Liz Lev and Thomas Williams just a matter of a few months after Marianne Glendon resigns from the Vatican Audit Committee and has not said one word. I'm sorry, but this really looks like some sort of a, a payoff situation. Really looks like a payoff situation. What in the hell business does Liz Lev and Thomas Williams have at the Notre Dame Center for Ethics. And I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. The Notre Dame Center for Ethics. Remember a few years back, Marianne Glendon turned down, um, I think, an honorary doctorate from or, or some sort of an award from Notre Dame because they were giving Obama um, some sort of a medal at the same time. And she declined it in protest. Oh, but now now it's okay to to have Notre Dame um, pay your daughter and her baby her, and her priest baby daddy a um, hundred grand for a total total BS no work fellowship at the Center for Ethics. The corruption is just is un unquantifiable. It, it's just money flying back and forth, people paying other people off. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, sit on this committee, keep your mouth shut, don't say anything, protect the status quo, protect the powers that be. It's, it, these people, they have no conscience. They have no conscience and it makes me sick. So I would like to see people start asking Marianne Glendon, hey, you were on this committee. Um, do you want to start talking? Uh, the entire Christian world is under house arrest, honey. Have you noticed that? The entire Christian world has been put under house arrest. The economy is being systematically destroyed. And Bill Gates is aggressively pushing to institute the mark of the beast. Do you think maybe this might be a good opportunity to go ahead and get some information out? I mean, what, what the hell are we waiting for? That, that's my question. What in the hell exactly is anybody waiting for? If you've got information, would you would you please come forward and, and start talking? What, what are we waiting for here? So there's that rant. So were they tied in with Cardinal Pell in Rome or is that just a um, similar tangent? Uh, I the the main connection is Glenn Marianne Glendon was on the financial reform committee which was directly under Pell so it's it's um Pell Marianne Glendon and then guess who else was on the same committee that that sodomite Rika Bat Batista Rika 
the flaming sodomite who runs the Casa Santa Marta, the, the luxury hotel there in the Vatican where Bergoglio lives and is absolutely 100%. I mean, you know, the guy was arrested cruising for sodomy in public parks. He was caught in an elevator in Montevideo where he was um, posted as a diplomat. He was caught in an elevator with a boy prostitute. Um, he was shacked up with his boyfriend who was a captain in the Swiss army. And um, when they the, the people, the faithful of Monte, Montevideo, Uruguay, um, finally had enough of this guy and demanded, petitioned Rome and demanded that Rica be expelled from his position in Montevideo, Uruguay. So Rica goes back to Rome and the Swiss uh, army captain, sodomite boyfriend of Rica, ships their luggage to Rica in the Vatican at the Casa Santa Marta. And the Vatican receives it and is like, we don't want this. They finally open it. The luggage is filled with gay porn, condoms, and pistols, guns. There was one or two guns, I think. And you're just like, <sighs> and, and then Rika, Rika gets is appointed by Bergoglio to the financial, to be the cleric on, uh, on the financial reform committee underneath Cardinal Pell. And you're just, I mean, you, you, you hear me, I'm sitting here stuttering because that's all you can do in the face of such blatant, egregious, wild corruption. Um, and th that speaks to another point. If these people are so virtuous, if Pell is so great, I'm sorry, if, if Bergoglio, who is clearly, um, you know, never mind anti-Pope, the guy's just, the guy isn't even Catholic. Yes, he's absolutely an anti-Pope, but I mean, he's, he's clearly an awful, awful, awful man. If someone like that offers you a job, you say no. Same goes for Mary Ann Glendon. If someone, if someone offers like that, offers you a position, I, I don't care what the position is. You say no. And it speaks to the importance of not associating with bad people. And when you do find out that someone is a bad character, again, language, you haul ass in the opposite direction as fast as you can. Do not associate with bad people. Um, so even if you want to make the argument, well, Mary Ann Glendon is pro-life and Cardinal Pell says the old mass and da-da-da-da-da. Look at who these people are voluntarily, gleefully associating with. Something's terribly wrong there. If you're willing to tolerate that being associated with people like Bergoglio and his ilk, no way, man, no way. Well, it's nice that they're pro-life, but there are a few other things to 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 fix, I guess, in, in terms of the overall picture. And in terms of overall sickness, I guess that, that could... Uh, transition us into the COVID-19 coverage and, mm. and uh, talking about saying the Latin mass. That's something that's not happening a lot right now. Well, it, it's happening, but just people can't get to it right now, at least in the United States. And I don't know how much about the, the rest of Europe and the rest of the world right now. Um, in the state, great state of Kansas, the Supreme Court met by video conference to uphold the ban 
uh, against the, uh, I guess the Kansas legislature voted by, they thought they had a veto-proof majority to say that church services are essential and they cannot be banned. And the governor, um, Governess Kelly, uh, it's a nanny state, so might as well call her a governess. Um, she, she said no. The Supreme Court upheld her no. And um, yeah, church services are not allowed in Kansas. I think in Florida, the uh, Governor DeSantis actually said that church services are considered essential. And um, various uh, churches, including the SSPX churches in Florida, I think they had normal services this last uh, Sunday, even though the bishops were saying, I don't care what the governor said, no public masses. So there's there's interesting dynamics brewing in that regard with, throughout the throughout the country, and a lot of people are now starting to take notice. It's like who exactly is suppressing the mass here? Is it the government mm-hmm. or is it the bishops? So yeah, you know this is going to yep. come back to to resonate, and people are going to have memories about this. Oh yeah, and this goes to. Um, one of the essays, I think I published it in the co- book of collected essays that I wrote, and it's one of the most, I've republished it on the blog multiple times. And again, language alert, it's the one that's that's called, titled, They Don't Actually Believe Any of This Bullshit. And it, that is a reference to, a facetious reference to Catholicism. They have no supernatural faith. I've been jumping up and down trying to get trying to get people to come to this this sick realization. The vast 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 majority of these people because the church was totally infiltrated in the 20th century driven by Freemasons communists who then turned around and actively and almost exclusively recruited sodomites. The infiltration is so intense. And then, I mean, it gets even worse as you go up um, into the into the College of Bishops because, I mean, how, how many men with actual true supernatural faith managed to get elevated to the episcopacy? Darn few. Darn few. These people do not have supernatural faith. And, you know, you mentioned the thing about you know, trad masses. Well, you know, there are still a a relatively high percentage of the masses that were, that were being offered before publicly are still being offered now privately. Most trad mass priests have supernatural faith and therefore they say their mass every day. Most trad mass priests say their mass every day, one way or the other, even if it's privately. Um, and so, as a percentage, the amount, the number of of uh, masses in the Venerable Gregorian Rite is that continues continues apace. It continues to go on. It's just now that they're they're being said privately. Um, Nova Sordo. I, I mean, I I know there are a lot of people. I had a conversation with a journalist a few days ago. And one of the points that I tried to make is that, you know, you got to get over this Pollyanna-ish idea that these Novus Ordo priests are now, are saying private masses. They're not. They're not. Lots and lots of them have no supernatural faith. And so now the, the fact that, that the churches are closed, I mean, it, it, this is a vacation. They're, they're, they're looking at this like, woohoo, vacation. Um, other, there are some of them who maybe do have some faith, but their, uh, sacramental theology is so warped 
they have absolutely no understanding or belief due to ignorance, um, contra education, whatever, whatever the reason. They don't, they don't believe that the holy sacrifice of the mass is a sacrifice. And so, no, they think that it is a symbolic rite that is done for the good of the community or some, something that, that engenders, um, engenders church, you know, in terms of the community. Um, they do not look at it at all or believe that it is the holy and august sacrifice of calvary um and so no they're they're not doing it either and you're, you're seeing anecdotal evidence of novus ordo priests doing things like saying the mass with photographs of people's faces taped to the pews because they simply cannot conceive of the fact that their audience is not the people they have no understanding that who the who they're offering and who they're ultimately talking to is God. There's there's zero comprehension of this. I want to make and a so, point of liturgy on that. Yeah, I, it, it's actually in the rules of the old mass that the priest is not to look out at the congregation. I do not yep. know if it's a mortal sin. Uh, obviously, there are some mitigating factors, like if somebody um, has a seizure. Uh, to while the priest is having mass, yeah, for him to turn around and pay attention to what's going on, you know, because it could be a end of life situation for somebody. Uh, but as a general rule, the priest is not to be looking no. at the congregation. That's not what he's doing. He is there to offer a sacrifice, and his audience is God. That's why he has his back to the congregation. It's one of the many, yeah. many revolutions that are baked into the old mass. That's what uh, Michael Davies, or I think it was Michael Davies, referred to as the time bombs of Vatican II. Mm -hmm. It was all there, plain to see, if you had the training to see it in 1965, 1968, that it would only really come to fruition for those who really weren't paying attention or didn't see it with such clarity. These things will blow up in your face later. It's all there. This is one well, of them. I mean, it, Car the, Cardinal Cardinal Ottaviani did see it. They did. They did a demonstration of what they were going, what was going to be the Novus Ordo, and Cardinal Ottaviani saw that and said, "Well, this is no, absolutely not," and wrote what is famously called the Ottaviani Intervention and sent it to Paul VI. And of course, it was completely it was completely ignored. But what you were talking about is called custody of the eyes. And that's why when priests are processing in, processing out, when they turn, when what priest does turn around and face the people, and I believe there's eight or nine instances during the course of the mass where he turns around and does the Dominus Vobiscum, and you know we say back at cum spirito tuo, um, he's his he is supposed to keep his eyes down. He is not supposed to look out and make any sort of eye contact with the people when the priest is processing in and out. So when you see Novus Ordo and, oh, the church, the parish that I came into, you know, the priest, when he processed in and processed out, he was giving people high fives and shaking hands and hello. And it was, it was, it was awful. It was the father, the father X show. And he, it was obvious. He, he viewed the mass as his, performance opportunity and his processing in and out of of the sanctuary when uh 
you know, all processions in and out in the old rite, nobody in in the procession, in the clergy, any of the servers, anybody, nobody is supposed to be making eye contact with anybody as they walk in or out. It's all supposed to be eyes down. And yeah, there's there's a reason for that um, because it just, it fuels that narcissism and that's what they're seeing. So in their narcissistic worldview, because the, these Novus Ordo priests think that they're putting on a show for the people, if there's no audience there, they simply cannot comprehend. And there's an absolutely odious, odious um, Catholic in, in scare quotes commentator, this... Um, Massimo Fagioli, who's Italian but lives in the U.S. or something like that, he literally tweeted and said that a priest saying mass without any any congregation there was um, akin to the sin of Onan, which is masturbation. Uh, and Father Z about went through the roof, and rightly so. I mean, the blasphemy, the absolute blasphemy, and it. These people do not have supernatural faith at all, not, not at all. And the, the level of apostasy and the church and the anti-church occupying the same liturgical, um, juridical, and sacramental space, that's the Father Linus Clovis quote, when you have somebody like Fagioli saying that saying a private mass is akin to masturbation, um, you understand exactly what Father Linus Clovis's words mean, that the church and the anti-church currently occupy the same liturgical, sacramental, and juridical space. Someone like Fagioli, to be able to say something so completely blasphemous as that, it's clearly a manifestation of the anti-church, and it's clearly a spirit of of the antichrist. Or um, it could actually be an accurate statement of, of the theology of the new mass. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it goes to sacramental theology, um, church and anti-church, the the sacrament and anti-sacrament. Yeah, I mean, they they think about it that way. Um, the solitary, they they have no they have no belief in the church triumphant. They have no belief that the entire church triumphant, which is all of the angels and all of the saints, they are present at every mass. Um, there, there's no belief in that whatsoever. Um, so yeah, it's just, um, it's, you look at it and you say, that's why this is happening. So all of these, um, most, the vast majority now, I would say of these horrific, um, wildly illicit Novus Ordo masses that have been going on now for low these many decades, a lot of that has stopped, um, and the percentage of the of the trad masses that are still happening. Well, I mean, where I am, the priests are haven't they they haven't missed a day. I mean, there's nothing has been missed. Nothing was missed in Holy Week. Absolutely everything was done. Um, Tenebrae was done. Everything. Um, Everything in the triduum was done and done behind closed doors, full ceremonies, full ceremonies. And so, you know, I can testify because I, I was the lay eyewitness that a full um, Easter vigil mass can be done with 10 men. 
you can do it. You can do it with 10 men. And I saw it with my own eyes. And it was, you know, I was obviously positioned in the front bank of pews. And so for me, it actually felt quite quite normal because I'm usually in the front row. I usually sit in the front row and kneel in the front row. And so I had no perception of the fact while I was there, um, you know, praying the mass and, and assisting in my capacity as a laywoman in, in the front row praying, I had no perception that the nave behind me was completely empty. I, I made a point a couple of times of turning around and looking and just kind of being jarred by the realization that, hey, you are the only one here. And this the, this huge church is completely empty. Um, there's no, there's no uh, living, other living people here. All the saints are here and all the angels are here, but there's no other living lay people here. Um, and so it kind of, it, it's in an odd way, it felt kind of the same as long as I didn't turn around and look behind me and see that the entire church was empty. But it was so, it was so edifying to see um, the men, the clergy, the, the clerics, they did everything with as much care, precision, um, dignity, everything as if the church was packed full. You could not see any difference in their comportment in their execution of all of these liturgies throughout the triduum it was it was really inspiring they were they were concerned about getting things right they but you know before the the mass would start you get there a few minutes early and they're they're practicing and they're discussing and you know doing little rehearsals okay at this point you all line up here and then there's a single genuflection and then you know and they're they're they were rehearsing as if the entire church was going to be packed to the gills um with the faithful knowing well, but that, full goes, that goes to the earlier point they're doing the ceremony not for the faithful who aren't yep. even there they're doing the ceremony for god and they yep. are going through all those rehearsals not because the people who aren't there but because they're doing this for God. And this calls yep. back to the Old Testament when the priest once a year on the high holy day, I forget the exact terminology because I'm not Jewish, would the one time that he would go into the Holy of Holies to offer the incense or, or whatever it is he did, mm-hmm. he the whole phrase having bells on, he all over his vestments he had bells on and he went in with a rope around his 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 foot because if he made a mistake, he'd be struck dead. You're doing the liturgy for God. You're not doing it for the people. The yep. people unite themselves to to the sacrifice that's happening in order that they can have the expiatory benefits coming from it. And, yep. and of course, in the Old Testament, if the guy didn't make a mistake, you had to use that rope that was around his foot to wheel him out or to, to pull him out. And, you know, better luck next year, high priest. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it goes to show that, yes, you're going to make those rehearsals and you're going to make sure that you you have everything right. And you're hitting your cues and you're doing the chant correctly and everything because you're doing it for God. You're not doing it for the laity, whether they're there or not. Exactly. And, you know, there was... Um, in in both there still is in the Byzantine rite, and there was in in the Latin Church in the West. Um, architecturally, the Byzantine rite still has the iconostasis, which is kind of that wall with the doors in it, so that when you're out in the nave of a of a 
um, Eastern Rite Church, you can't see the altar because it's back, it's behind the iconostasis, it's behind those doors. And we used to have that too in the in the West, in the Latin Rite, and it was called a rude screen. And there are still a few of them in existence, but they're very, very rare anymore. But you just look it up on Google, R-O-O-D screen. And it's an architectural feature that basically has a physical barrier between the nave and the and the high altar. So yeah, for a long time, the faithful out in the nave couldn't see. That's why there were, you know, there were bell cues and things like that. There were cues so that people their liturgical cues so that people out in the nave would know that the, you know, the consecration would, had happened, et cetera, et cetera. And of course you hear the chant going on too. So the faithful would know where, where the mass was in terms of what was being chanted. But yeah, there was that, that invisibility. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I can, I can obviously we're making the point right now that it, that, helps maintain the psychological comportment of everybody involved, both the clergy and the laity, that the sacrifice is being offered to um, to God the Father. However, I, I will freely admit that now in the in the way that things are in in the Latin church, in the Roman rite, where the high altar is open, and you can see the elevation and you can see, you can't see everything obviously that the priest is doing at the altar. And that's one of the things that's so fascinating about watching the instructional videos on how to say the, the traditional Latin mass. Um, the best the best ones, the Fraternity of St. Peter did several years ago, they're all on YouTube. But one of the things that those instructional videos allow the faithful to see sometimes perhaps for the first time, especially women. I mean, lads would have would have been able to see the altar and what the priest is doing um, from serving the mass, but obviously women, you, we're never gonna get close enough to be able to see all that. Those instructional videos are really cool because you can see actually what the priest is doing with his hands um, during the offertory, during the the post-communion and all of those, all of those intricate, um, rituals that he's doing with in in preparation to consecrate the Eucharist and then after the Eucharist is consecrated. And it's really interesting to be able to see that. But that that was all invisible um, out in the nave for goodness, a thousand years? I don't know, probably longer than that. I'm I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to look up when rude screens really started being not used in in the Western church. But yeah, it was there was not visibility there at all. I was in the middle of Googling that and uh, you stopped talking, so I'll leave it off and uh, I'll see if I can find <laughs> something for, about, the, about that for the show notes. Okay. So, but yeah, I'm sure the, we can find a, a good, um, even the Wiki, Wikipedia article on rude screens, I'm sure we'll have sufficient information. Well, that's but the maybe link, we can find a nice one with pictures. That's the link that through which I was about to click. And uh, you stopped talking. So yeah, I'll, I'll look in the show notes. I'll, I'll, I already made a, wrote down a note to uh, include something about rude screens. But most certainly, the, the the mass is definitely continuing. And of course, you can find a lot of them online now. A lot of people are streaming the masses. Um, um, I think I think someone we both know might have built a fantastic website that's now kind of the main hub for people in at least in the English speaking world looking for masses. Who who know. was that? Oh, it was you. 
it was you. Well done. Well done, sir. I, you know what? I actually got that comment from uh, Father Z of all people. I, I emailed him to, to let him know that uh, I had included his channel and basically just to let him know that uh, it was happening in, in case he wanted to pull it out for some reason. Um, some people are, or some, I should say people, some priests say, don't put me in any list whatsoever. You know, the, the whole, the whole Groucho Marx, I don't want to be on any list that I could be a member of, yeah. but, but, uh, no, he was, he was cool with it. And, um, he's, he's got some initiative there where he's trying to get a, get a bunch of, uh, Catholic technical people together to, I don't, I don't know what exactly the, the plan is, but, um, but uh, he, he thought it was a pretty cool, pretty cool initiative. And I got a comment from somebody today that uh, I guess they've been watching the, the masses online and uh, their, their three-year-old or two-year-old, I forget how old she is exactly, just spontaneously said, see mass? And uh, so he said, okay, let's pull up Latin Mass Live and uh, see what's what's uh, currently live. And they watched the mass. So nice. yeah, it's... it's it's uh, a, still very much a work in progress. Like I said on the last podcast, I, I can only really uh, screen scrape and read the, uh, the the YouTube streams. I'm looking into getting the Vimeo stuff cracked. Uh, Latin Mass Live, which is uh, mostly a fraternity, I think it, maybe it's exclusively a fraternity St. Peter thing. I don't know for sure. Uh, I have emails going back and forth with them. They I, I can't read their streams, but they, they do have a calendar that I might be able to get access to. We'll, we'll find out more. I mean, this is something that uh, the, the pace of uh, trying to get it developed more is, is a bit slackened at this point because uh, now, now that the trade room is over, that was the thing I really wanted to have as much included yeah. as possible for the trade room. And there was a period uh, uh, from Saturday afternoon through Sunday afternoon, it went almost 24 hours. There was a mass going constantly. Cool. And, and uh, right now, the in fact, as we're recording right now in my time zone, it is n almost 10 o'clock. And this is this is one of the, the, the lull spots in the schedule from about 7 p.m. till uh, midnight, 1 a.m. There are no masses currently live streaming because sure. I can't find any live streams out of India, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, that area. And uh, the Russians and uh, the, the Pakistanis and, and the peoples in, in that area, they don't exactly do the Latin mass much. So much, find, no. finding a Latin mass to, to stream is a little bit difficult. Hopefully, as as uh, this project continues, I'll be able to find somebody out, out, out of the Indian time zones where, where masses are happening right now. Um, and maybe I'll be able to crack how, how to read Facebook's video graph. I don't know. But the point is that, that you were getting at, um, or I guess we were getting at, was with, with the, the, the churches closed, yes, a lot of people are, are watching the, the masses on TV. And, of course, there are some people who are cracking back on this, saying this is a bad idea. Obviously, watching the mass is not the same as being at mass, mm -hmm. and I, I guess you could get a lackadaisical attitude about it and 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 just make it a passive spectator event. It you have to have that active engagement yeah. of of lifting your heart and mind to God. You can have a fruitful prayer life even though you're not at mass. It's better if you can be there. But you can you could there there's there's no restriction in time and space to being a saint and being able to pray, and there is certainly the ability or I guess the the additional positive maybe I'm just weak in this regard. It, it's you know, we're all doubting Thomases to a certain degree, and mm -hmm. with with this Sunday's liturgy coming up, um, you know Thomas, bring here your finger and put it in my side. Don't and, and be believing, not unbelieving. Part of why I started this project was simply because yes, I know masses are happening all the time. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to be able to go to a website and see like a list of red links at the top that say this is a live mass. Click on it and see it and say and, and, and you just know that at any point in time, close your eyes, 
unite your intentions and your prayers with the priest somewhere who's offering a mass right now. I know it because I can see it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's better to believe without being able to see, which we'll read on Sunday in the old yes. rites. <laughs> but um, you know, some of us are weak and we need to see it. So, well, what I think if, from a kind of a sciencey nerdy perspective what you've done, I think you're the first person to ever build build a website like this. With And the feature that makes your website so cool is that you've got at the top that rolling list of what's live now. And so what, from a nerdy perspective, I, I derive tremendous glee from the fact that now there's, you can watch the What's the word for it? Like the sunshine, you know, how the the light and the dark, the meridian moves across the earth. You can watch the the light of the holy sacrifice of the mass rotate its way around the globe. And then you can see like what we're what we're in right now as just as we happen to be recording this is we're in that little bit of of quote unquote liturgical night when there isn't anything because you know the time zone is basically over the pacific ocean over the pacific ocean and over asia where there aren't very many christians obviously well no so, it's it's india right now india is it um, india india mm-hmm. afghanistan iran that that's the area where they would be having morning masses if they have masses oh okay okay and and then russia too yeah yeah but they don't do latin masses much there no no that's, no <laughs> that's a that's a slightly different thing and and uh if somebody out there wants to do russian orthodox live go for it but yep. um no this this is i'm i'm sure that there are uh masses in india they just haven't decided to live stream them as far as I know. So it, it's, I'm sure it's there, mm-hmm. but we just don't know it yet. And us not speaking Hindi or having the ability to search in, in Hindi, it would it would be harder too. There's a, there's a lot of Catholics in Southern India. What are the, What is that right called? Oh, what's the Sierra Indian? Malabar. Yes, yes. And the pious tradition is that it was Saint... Who got over there? Who's the, the Apostle father? Thomas. Thomas. It was Thomas. Yeah, yeah. He's the patron of business travelers. So this is this coming Sunday is going to be a big Sunday for the Catholics in um, in southern India. There. Yep. Well, there's the pious tradition that Saint Thomas the Apostle actually um, evangelized the entire world. And when the when the Spanish missionaries got over to South Africa or South Africa South uh, South America and began spreading the faith. They were confused by the fact that uh, the locals, once they started translating the language into something they could understand, were referring to them, the priests, as Father Thomases. And and they began collecting all these stories, and they 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 came to the the consensus that we think that the Apostle Thomas was was as as a reward in in a sense for his his lack of belief. It's like okay, you're going to go cure the world of their their misbelief now. And, and he was given the ability that as soon as he, you know, a lot of the a lot of the, the the saints were given interesting abilities. So he would preach in a town the moment he walks out of town from the, the boundary of the town, he's walking into the next town. You know, space and time has no meaning to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he literally up and down uh, North America, South America, Asia, um, got around to India before they killed him. Um, but. The point being that, and I'll, I'll, I, I wish I had the links handy. I, I looked these up once upon a time, and uh, the, these were the, the best stories were from some of the Franciscan missionaries in Mexico, and and uh, the the term that kept coming up was was the 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 pair Thomases or, or Father Thomases, 
Mm-hmm. And, and um, the, of course, the, the, the Spanish missionaries are looking at each other. It's like, we're not named Thomas, but what you're describing sounds like a priest to us. And, and um, certainly they so had... So what was, they, out of curiosity, what was then the explanation for all of the Indians in North and South America falling into the paganism and the animism? Uh, what's the explanation for all of Europe falling into paganism and animism? Right now? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the same thing. I mean, it's 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 um, original sin. We're 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 operating on the um, you know Homo sapien one point one. The the it wasn't an upgrade; it was a downgrade. Yeah, the point one patch. <laughs> That's right. And and um, I, I, there was some comment. I haven't been on Twitter much, but I, I, I tweeted something this morning. Somebody was having an argument about monarchism and whatever. Or what the right form of government would be, and um, I, I made some joke about enlightened uh, Catholic libertarian, libertarianism. But but the the point I made there was that no matter what you set up perfectly, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, that if you study enough history, especially Roman history, that lasted so long. There were definitely emperors who they weren't necessarily virtuous, but they were intelligent, and they mm-hmm. got things reformed and shaped up very well. And within 50 years, it was all haywire again, which is just proof of the fact that you can set everything up perfectly, but it's going to get screwed up. There's not going to be the longevity because we are operating with with original sin. You can't legislate that out of the equation. Well, I mean, and if you read the Old Testament and and you read it straight through in order so that it's a continuous narrative, the thing that, that happens and you see is that Israel falls into this oscillating pattern of going back and forth between really good kings like good King Asa. And then the next one will be just absolutely terrible. And then the one after that will be pretty good. And then the one after that will be absolutely terrible. So they were constantly going back and forth between good and bad uh, kings. And yeah, it's it's well, in, in the, the case fallen of, world. In the Go case ahead. of Israel, they had the grace that they had to stay around, at least through the through the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there, there was definitely that that the element of grace involved. Yes, there was still hum, the, um, human nature, there, the original sin, just like the Romans had, just like the Greeks, mm-hmm. the Persians, and everybody else. But they were guaranteed to stick around, and even with the enlightenment, not only of grace and the prophets and the priesthood, they still fell and required <sighs> the Babylonian captivity. Yep. So what hope do we have of setting up a perfect government? Not much, but <laughs> we, sh- we should strive to do better, though. We should absolutely strive to do better. Ugh. And there, there's going to be something's going to happen. Uh, this is my this is my favorite prediction. I don't know if I've I probably said this before on the on the podcast, but if you want to sound really wise and you want to say something that is guaranteed to prove 100 percent true, you just, you know, look very ponderous and very serious and even maybe stroke your facial hair and say. Yep. Something is going to happen and <laughs> you'll be right every time. So <laughs> the corollary to that is to look very confused and look left and right furtively and say something happened. Mm. Oh, very good. Opposite side of the same coin. I like it. Very good. It just depends on your perspective, I suppose. And then there's the majority of people who don't even realize anything happened. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Well, I think this has gotten everyone's attention. Uh, I don't think there's hardly anyone who uh, doesn't realize that this is going on. So, yeah, there's 
all kinds of competing theories about what's going on, whether it's it's uh, the beginning of a martial law takedown or it, it's something... The, the, the QAnon people, I finally figured out what in the world these people are all about. I mean, to a certain degree, they are a very optimistic breed of cat. I'll, I'll give them that. They, they think that Trump and his team are, are basically... Taking down child or, pornographers, right? Or child sex traffickers? Yeah. And, and you know, there's, there, there may be elements of truth to it. You know, while everybody is on lockdown with COVID-19, apparently the military started a gigantic crackdown on, on uh, narco-terrorism throughout hmm. the, the Caribbean and Eastern Pacific, which, you know, I've done tours of duty in the, in the, in the uh, Eastern Pacific and, and Caribbean. Yeah, we, there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of stuff we can't touch and we know it's there. But mm. uh, now that we're in the, I forget the name, I always forget the name of this, this law, the one that says the military shall not engage in law enforcement. I think since 9-11, that's been officially lifted. So if you, if you apply the NSA to sniffing out uh, narco-terrorism and all that, we have tremendous abilities to, to take all these people out. So I don't know. If they were really going to do that, that would be an, an interesting um, positive for life. But who knows? I mean, for the most part, I think the QAnon people are, are irrationally optimistic. Yeah, I, I get that impression too. I mean, I'll I'll believe it when I see it that all of these Hollywood stars and Steven Spielberg and all of these people are are arrested and are no longer around. I mean, what evidence what evidence do we have at all that that is happening whatsoever? Um, none, none that I can see. Um, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I I hope they're right. That would be really cool if they crack down, obviously, on child sex traffickers and all of that Hollywood satanic wretchedness. That would be absolutely fantastic. But I just can't buy into it until I see even a little bit of evidence that any of that is happening. I, I don't see it at all. If there were so. a bishop in white calling for the uh, all the bishops of the world in union with him to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and all this was going on, I could see a coordination uh, coming from heaven. Yeah. But I don't see the um, I don't see the religious aspect of that happening yet. Well, you know, what I've been asking our Lord for in all of this, and I think a lot of people are perhaps a little bit confused by my position in all of this. You know, why, why is Anne... Um, trying to do everything possible to debunk the whole Corona cold situation and trying to expose that they're, they're cooking the books, they're cooking these numbers there. It isn't even, this thing's a chest cold and they're just, they've, they've pumped it through the media into this thing, into this thing of psychological terrorism, using it to justify imprisoning um, over three billion human beings. Now, basically all of the Christian world, what was considered the Christian world, everyone in the Christian world is now under house arrest. Um, why am I trying to debunk this? Shouldn't I be, you know, shouldn't I be in favor of, um, you know, the, the changes that are going to come out of this? Well, for my explanation for that is, first of all, the truth is always um, important and should be proclaimed and the path forward is always through the truth. I am not going to go along with some lie um, because I think, well, maybe this might this might serve my agenda or something. No, 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 no. I want to know what the truth is. 
What I'm asking our Lord for in this situation is that he make that he unleashes the power of his right arm and he makes the maximum maximum good that can come out of this, come out of it. And there are all kinds of things. There are, there's a reduction in the number of wildly illicit sacrilegious Novus Ordo masses that are being said, for example. Um, there's a lot of people who are learning about uh, making spiritual communions and or who are realizing that they need to take their faith more seriously. And a lot of people have gone to confession and so on and so forth. Um, you, we could be looking at a debt jubilee situation. There's all kinds of good that could come out of this economically, financially. Um, the answer to this is not through money printing and inflation. The, the answer to this financially is debt jubilees. I'm waiting to hear anybody start talking about that. It's very disconcerting that Trump is, is continuously just printing trillions of dollars when he should be talking about um, deflating and um, haircutting a lot of this debt that exists that that is unsustainable and has to, has to go away. And this is the opportunity to do it. So there are all kinds of really good things that can come, that can come out of this through the workings of the divine providence that doesn't necessitate um, supernatural stuff like literally St. Peter and Paul appearing in the sky with flaming swords. Not that that wouldn't be super, super cool, but there are things that can, can come out of this can come out of this without all of that. So that's my prayer is that maximum good come out of this situation, but I'm still going to work to debunk all this. I'm not going to sit by and give a winking and give winking approval to something that I can clearly see is built on lies. And I posted earlier this week, a few days ago, um, I think the the talking point was made by Father Anthony Hannon, that um, that Canadian priest up in Ontario that runs that retreat center, and he's making he's making videos on YouTube, and he says some some intelligent things. Um, and by the way, we need to when when Father Z is able to travel, we need to get Father Z shipped up there to teach Father Hannon how to say the old mass because he doesn't know how to do it. He mentioned that on a, on a video not too long ago. Um, but Father Hannon made the point that this, this can't be a, um, a scourge sent positively, positively sent by God upon mankind because the whole thing's based on lies and deception. And God neither neither deceives nor can be deceived. And so right there, that tells you, hold on, wait a minute. We're doing this to ourselves. This can't be a positively willed scourge by God. But, but as with all of Satan's plans, God always wins and he always makes good come out of these things. And that's what I'm begging our Lord for. And I would encourage all of you to do the same. Yes, unleash the power of your right hand, whether it's whether it's through to the divine providence or whether it's supernaturally, either way, but make make the maximum amount of good that can come that can come out of this, come out of this. And if this is the run up to the actual um, the general judgment and our Lord returning in glory to judge the living and the dead. Well, you know, obviously, so be it. I mean, all, all, we, all any human being can say to that is amen. When it, If this is it, then this is going to be it. But if not, let's pray that maximum good comes out of it. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people are waking up to, you know, some, some things just not being right. And mm -hmm. 
whether or not they're going to go back to sleep when uh, we can buy toilet paper again and, and go out to restaurants, I don't know. Yeah. That that remains to be seen. You mentioned earlier the idea that um, we're, we're all supposed to be on, on lockdown, house arrest, uh, shelter in place or whatever and, until the vaccine comes out. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the grandmaster, William H. Gates IV or whatever he is, mm. um, he is the one uh, with the Gates Foundation coming up with this RNA sequence vaccine, which has never worked before. Yep. Why the hell is anybody thinking that that we should trust somebody whose only experiences with viruses as shipping operating systems that were vulnerable to them? Yeah, like you're going to get it right this time, Billy Boy? No, well, of course, in his track record in terms of viruses, look at look at what he has done in Africa. Um, he sterilized half of the half of the girls of Kenya, um, killed, paralyzed, uh, paralyzed hundreds of thousands of children in India. Um, this this Bill and Melinda Gates thing, and, and Bill, obviously, um, I'm, I have halfway written an explanation of answering the question, just what, what the hell exactly does Bill Gates want? What is his agenda? The man is worth a hundred billion dollars. He could do anything he wanted all day, every day, for the rest of his life, and not even really make a dent in his net worth. This man has unlimited, basically, amounts of money. He could have done absolutely anything. The question is, what in the hell does Bill Gates want? And I think I know the answer to this. And the answer is Bill Gates wants to be God. He's one of the richest men in the world, and he's he's... I think he's clearly a cerebral narcissist. Um, you read about him and about his childhood and how he was raised and his parents evidently were kind of crazy and everything in their family was a competition from, you know, going back into the house from playing outside was a foot race and there was either a, and there was a winner and there was a loser and everything was competition. Win, 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 win. Um, the other thing that's interesting anecdotally that you, that you're reading about Gates from people who have known him, worked with him, a, he is shockingly not as intelligent as people are expecting. People are expecting him to be just a dazzling intellect. And the word that keeps coming up to describe Bill Gates from people who have met him is underwhelming. Um, I don't, I don't think he is any sort of a super genius. And, and super nerd, you alluded to this last episode or two ep episodes ago that he really hasn't, he hasn't built anything himself. He has in fact just acquired. He, he bought people out and it was this hyper competitive thing. It wasn't a, um, a core genius or a core um, super competency on his part. He just bought his way into everything that he had and was ruthless about it. And the other thing that I read is that he was routinely referred to by his own employees and people around him as the Antichrist. Um, and so I think it's pretty clear that he's almost certainly a cerebral narcissist and he found himself having unlimited amounts of money being one of the wealthiest men in the world and in the history of the world and he would wake up every morning and i'm sure he was still miserable and so when you're when you're godless like that and you're given something like a hundred billion dollars um 
you you need more. You you what you what gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, at a certain point, you just you descend. Uh, these narcissists will descend into a madness wherein they have to be God. And I think that that is exactly what this is. I think this is Bill Gates trying to be God. And and look at what he's done. He's imprisoned half the planet at his word. He has done something that no one has ever done not even remotely, remotely close in human history. He has literally imprisoned half of the planet just with his word. He's going on, he's giving these, um, these giving, giving these interview interviews and literally saying, well, you know, this, this, um, this lockdown will end when I feel comfortable. (laughs) He really thinks that he is, basically God. And he's now trying to establish a paradigm through this vaccination crap. And it's all BS. It's 100% BS. It has nothing to do with human health. It has to do with control, totalitarian control, Bill Gates being God and saying who can leave their home, where they can travel to, what job they can do, whether or not they can reproduce, and the answer to that for almost everybody is going to be no. They are going to try to clandestinely sterilize as many people as they possibly can. They've already done it in Africa. They did it in Kenya. It was under the guise of a tetanus vaccine, a five-round tetanus vaccine. Um, hello, excuse me, no. It was a five-round tetanus vaccine, and lo and behold, every sample that was tested from this Bill Gates tetanus vaccine contained a nuclear-strength sterilant. And they said, oopsie-daisy, I guess there was corruption at the—there there was an inadvertent corruption of the batch at the factory— Every single sample that was tested contained nuclear strength sterilants. They want to stay, they, and they're open about this. They've been having conferences at the Vatican about the absolute need to reduce the human population. And some of these people want the human population under a billion. And there's 7.7 or 7.8 billion people today. So the Chinese are already obviously on board with this. They've been on board with this for a long time. They had the enforced one-child policy. Um, now Gates is, is basically colluding with the Shycoms and with the New World Order and Bergoglio and the anti-church. They're all working together. They want to sterilize and reduce the surface population. Bill Gates wants to be God. Now, people are emailing me and saying, Anne, do you think that Gates is the Antichrist? And I don't think so because he does not fit the profile. The profile is, is that the Antichrist will first be very attractive. Now, Gates is a secular person and the Antichrist will be a secular leader, but the Antichrist will be very, very attractive. Gates is not attractive. In fact, looking at the videos of him, um, I'm struck by how he's he's consciously trying to appear human, uh, natural and human. He, you can see him as he's talking, thinking about the gest- he's thinking about gesticulating. Um, I've seen this with two other people. 
The first one that jumps to mind is recently, and that's Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, when he was testifying before Congress, there were memes going around all over the place. The guy looks like a damn robot. He acts like a robot. He doesn't act like a normal human being. And they both went to and dropped out of Harvard. I wonder if there's a connection there. Mm, don't get me started on those that Ivy League. Oh, by the way, Marianne Glendon, yeah, Harvard Law, to this day, if I'm not mistaken, um, shared an office with Alan Dershowitz. Um, so Zuckerberg testifying before Congress, there, there's a video clip, very short video clip of Zuck- Zuckerberg picking up a glass of water and taking a sip out of the glass of water. And it is the it is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It's like he's struggling to appear as if he is human. You can see him thinking about drinking. I mean, it's, it's weird. The other person who displayed exactly this behavior of struggling to appear human was John Corzine, believe it or not. John Corzine appeared. They were testing him on, I want to say it was probably C- CNBC on the, on the morning financial programming. They put John Corzine on the anchor desk with the two anchors of CNBC's morning financial coverage as a commentator. And they were clearly testing him out to see if he could be an on-air personality. He was so awkward and unnatural. He couldn't speak extemporaneously, and he did exactly the same thing. He was, you could see him thinking about making gestures with his hands. He was, you could see it was just all rehearsed isn't even the right word. Again, just struggling to appear like a normal human being. Gates is the same way. So Gates is not attractive. He's not charismatic in any way. And the other big tell that Gates is not the Antichrist is that, boy, I think every tradition is pretty reliable that the Antichrist is going to be ethnically Jewish. And there's even some, there's some scholarship that says that the Antichrist is supposed to come from the tribe of Dan. Um, that's, that's not Gates. That's not Gates. Um, I don't know what the hell he is, but he's, but I will tell you this. I think that Bill Gates just wants to be God. He wants to supplant God and he wants to control human life and call the shots. And at this point, what he has achieved in imprisoning half of the human race and destroying um, a massive percentage of the global economy, um, this is this is up there. I, I, I am hard pressed to think of anything that is as globally catastrophic across the board as this is. And that includes World War I, World War II. They, they were not as, as widespread catastrophic as this is. During World War I, during World War II, if you were out on a farm in the middle of Saskatchewan, you had really no perception unless you were hearing it through the newspaper media or the radio, um, in the case of World War II, that, that any of that was happening. You could be somewhere and be pretty much completely isolated from all of that. There was no, there were, there was no combat in the United States on the North American landmass for all intents and purposes 
during both World War I and World War II. You could be isolated from it. Same thing goes for South America. You could you could be out there and be isolated from it and really not have any perception that anything was even happening other than what you heard. Um, that's not what this is. Half of the human race is imprisoned. Um, and Bill Gates is, it, it's with each passing day, Bill Gates looks to be responsible for this. Oh, and the other thing I just posted today about Bill Gates is that Microsoft launched on Good Friday an advertising campaign with the open, open Satanist Maria Abramovich, Marina Abramovich launched an advertising campaign for some damn virtual reality goggles or some damn thing on Good Friday. This woman is an openly professing Satan worshiper. I mean, at this point, you're just like, okay, okay, world, if you can't take these hints, if you if you're being beaten hit in the back of the head with a Louisville slugger with all of these hints as to what the hell's going on. If, uh, if that, if this doesn't illuminate this, then I, I just, I really don't know what will. Well, in, yeah. And, in, in, uh, talking about Bill Gates, you do remember, realize that his dad sat on the board is initially of King County Planned Parenthood, which is mm -hmm. King County, Seattle, and then the national Planned Parenthood. So in terms yep. of depopulation, you know, the nut doesn't fall far from the tree in some cases. And Melinda Gates is an absolute uh, horrific baby killing. That's her agenda. You know, reproductive health and all of that. That's just all abortion, 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 abortion. So, yeah. Well, let's do some happy news before we wrap up the, the podcast. It is obviously Easter week and... Uh, one of the, how did you put it, <clears throat> unbearably cutest things you've ever seen is the blessing of the lambs that happens oh, during Easter week. Yes, there's there's a few places left where they they bless the sweet little lamb after after uh, the mass on Easter Sunday. And can have you found um, some linkage, some video to any of that? Not video. I saw the uh, photo from the Institute of Christ the King. Yes, and. Uh, at the very least, I'll, I'll include that. Um, I'll make a point to look for video. Yes, but I think, and <laughs> we were we were both super Dern and I were both corresponding with someone who who saw this, and we were all ooing and awing about how cute the little lamb is. Oh, please, it's the most darling thing. And the person we were corresponding with somewhat sheepishly asked, um, "Do do they slaughter it afterwards?" <laughs> no, I believe what the um, what the blessing of the lambs is for is that their little um, the wool from the in the cattle business we call it the brisket but it's you know the the neck down into the chest between the two front legs that whole area right there on sheep on lambs specifically that is the softest highest quality wool on the animal and so for example if you go and buy a really expensive persian rug you know like a, a rug that's 20, 30, $40,000, you know, and there, there are Persian handmade Persian rugs that are like that. 
um, that wool will be that wool that's taken from the brisket area of lambs. That's the best wool you can get. Um, and so I think that those little lambs are blessed and then their little wool is used to make um, palliums, which is what um, the Pope <laughs> gives to um, gives to bishops as a sign of their as a sign of their episcopacy. So I think that's kind of the story of the little lambs blessing it's, them. It's for the their sign wool. of their authority. And the, the a, bishop, the bishop in a diocese, only can wear his pallium in his diocese, and that's uh, one of the unique markers of the Pope is he gets to wear his anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Cool. So that's little lambs. It's not. It's not about yummy, delicious food, which they. They are that too, by the way. <laughs> and I made the remark to the pe to the person that that we were corresponding with that that little lamb is so cute. It almost makes me think twice about about eating um, lamb. And I, in fact, was able to secure and prepare for myself for Easter um, a rack of lamb. In fact, a corona of lamb. And it was <laughs> <laughs> I know seriously, seriously. I had a good laugh with the with the butcher about that. You know. Because he had he had the rack, and he said, "Do you want me to? Do you want me to? It's called Frenching. Do you want me to French it? Which is when they pull the meat off of the rib, each you know, and so the ribs are kind of naked and exposed, and so it looks like it looks like a crown. It looks like a corona. And I, we had a very good laugh about that. I said, "Yes, I want I want the corona rack, please. Exactly. So I I made mine, and lamb. You know, Americans are really." afraid of trying to prepare lamb. They think it's difficult. I actually think that cooking lamb is way easier than cooking beef. I think lamb is more forgiving in the oven. And so what you do with lamb, if you can get um, a, a saddle of lamb or a rack of lamb, super easy. All you have to do is slather the thing with Dijon mustard, and then you get some breadcrumbs and you get some pistachios and some oil and whiz the pistachios up and then mix the pistachios in the breadcrumbs and bind it together with probably some olive oil and then press that breadcrumb and pistachio mixture into the Dijon mustard that you slathered all over the lamb, toss it in the oven for a half an hour and heaven comes out, heaven comes out of the oven. It's absolutely delicious, but don't forget beef too. Is it an acceptable keto substitute to use pork rinds instead of uh, flour? I would have to think so. Or instead of breadcrumbs, yeah. Breadcrumbs. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, good idea. Good idea. Well, we're going to have to put uh, some lamb recipes in the show notes now. So, mm. And then, of course, with all of the leftover... Um, bits and and bones you of course have to make um broth and or stew out of that and that's obligatory so then that's your um later in easter week yum yums that you can have so yeah well planning ahead this this weekend is the uh, dominican albis or our divine mercy sunday the sunday after that is good shepherd sunday that's uh -huh. yet another great day to have a rack of lamb there you go <laughs> <laughs> a leg of lamb, in fact. <laughs> Whatever you can find, yes. Okay. I will definitely get some uh, some uh, recipe ideas in the show notes so we can plan ahead for that one. 
Now, I do want to make a point, though, since we're talking about food, guys, make sure you don't get fat. And that's this is we were joking about this at the at the beginning, but I think it really is seriously a thing. You know, the Corona cold is called COVID-19. And I think the 19 refers to the number of pounds that people are gaining, you know, so be careful and keep yourself going and keep active. And um, I put in the show notes and I was kind of uh ribbing super nerd a little bit, but by his own confession, guys, it's really important to get up and get dressed. Ladies put on makeup. Um, I, I know some people don't ever wear shoes in the house as policy, but I do. And it's really important to get up, get dressed, put on shoes. That makes a big difference. Ladies, you should be putting on makeup. Um, you know, go, go full June Cleaver. Don't be afraid to be doing housework wearing decent clothes um, and even a, a string of pearls. Put on your makeup. Don't don't permit yourself. And I'm seeing this with, with people when I go out. Yeah, I totally go out. No, I don't wear a mask. I go out every single day. Um, but I'm seeing people walking around wearing like this, these absolutely bizarre pajama ninja outfits for some reason. And, you know, hoodies pulled and, you know, the, the hoodie up and then the, the strings pulled. So it's tight around their face and they've got a mask or a balaclava on or something. And it's just, and people are descending into this weird thing where for some reason they've stopped wearing normal clothes. That's, that's very, very bad too. Get up, get dressed, maintain schedule. Um, don't, don't fall into this weird living your entire life in pajamas all the time or, well, there's, I've got my daytime pajamas and I've got my nighttime pajamas. No, no, no. Get up and put on clothes, nice clothes, iron things. Um, now, if you don't have dry cleaning available, obviously wa watch the dry cleaning, but there's plenty of, um, there's plenty of nice clothes that you can wear that are machine washable. And yeah, if you need to iron, yes, you should be ironing. You should be ironing your clothes. Get up, get dressed, be a human being. Don't fall into this trap of turning into, you know, the, the, the cartoonish uh, characterization of the internet addicted weird guy who sits in his mother's basement in his underpants all day long. Just don't, don't turn into that. And if you feel yourself being tempted into that, put a stop to it, put your foot down, be disciplined starting tomorrow, get up, get dressed, ladies put on makeup. Well, I'm already on record as saying I would be fine with having a, a full and functioning Darth Vader uh, outfit, especially <laughs> with COVID-19. Uh, the full Drager rebreather system, which actually would sound like the breath, the, the, the uh, Darth Vader uh, respirator, except that you're actually circulating oxygen at that point. You're not e you're not even filtering. You're just you've got your, you know, bring it with you and bring your own oxygen supply. So that that if you want to be really uh, careful and safe, that's the way to do it. Nah, don't do that because it's because it's a chest cold and don't play psychological games with yourself and again we've talked i think we talked about this in the last episode but 
I think that's where all this is going and why it's such a Luciferian plot is that it's making the charity of men grow cold and people are going to live in a state now forward for a long time of treating every other human being with suspicion, contempt. You are a vector of disease. You're going to make me sick. Da, 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 da. And they keep just pushing. And oh man, drudge. Drudge is one of the most awful awful things on the internet now. It's it's obvious that there's been a massive change and uh, Matt Drudge sold it. And yeah, I know Matt Drudge is a sodomite and has been all along, but it's now being, it is just, it is endless fear porn. And I mean, I look at it just to see what is the new line of propaganda. So what have we had in the last week? Um, bre- um, breathing spreads the the Chinese lung AIDS. Um, farting spreads the Chinese lung AIDS. Just everything, absolutely everything can can now spread it. Um, dogs, cats, everything. Um, so they just keep pushing and pushing. They're trying to psychologically terrify and terrorize people into thinking that literally every other human being is basically going to kill you. And please don't fall for this. And you see where this is going. Even let's say wave a magic wand tomorrow, they reopen everything. There's a lot of people who won't leave their houses. There's going to be a lot of people who who will refuse to go into restaurants ever again. Um, And just on and on. And people who will refuse to go to church, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is going to be, and every other human being is trying to kill me. Well, no, that that is 100% wrong. Don't fall for these Luciferian lies. So, yeah. It's in, the, it's in the gospel. People melting away for fear. Yep. Yep. And we talked about this in the last episode, too. And But there was a really good link on, uh, Frank Walker put it up on Canon 212, and it was, I think it was a quote from Augustine. And the point of it was um, Christians are not afraid of death. They despise it. They despise it because it's unnatural and it's a it's you know derivative of of the fall. But you shouldn't be afraid of it. Um, all of this just abject terror of death. And you know, that's that's the irony of all this is that this this thing is is not a plague in that sense it's just another it's just another deep chest cold and it gets it gets the elderly obviously as all flus and chest colds have all along and they're discovering that it gets after the obese and the the obese have always been also at risk of any sort of pulmonary sort of a thing anyway, but it's really being, the point is really being driven home in this about really how unhealthy obesity is and how much it does increase your risk. Um, if you just get something like this, you know, that if you've just got fat packed into your, into your thoracic cavity and into your abdominal cavity, and there's just fat everywhere on your body, that is dangerous. It is absolutely dangerous. Your body does not have the ability to fight things off in the same way as if you were not obese. 
and that's there's propaganda now, you know, um, healthy at any size. I've got some poor, unfortunate guy, and I've he's he's sent into the spam folder, but you know, I keep an eye on the spam folder too. And he sent me an email. He says, I'm five eight, and I don't know what it is, three something. He's five eight and over three hundred pounds, and I'm healthier than you. And da 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 da. And you're you're evil for saying that obesity means that that you're automatically unhealthy. And I'm like, this this dude is just detached from reality, absolutely detached from reality. They, there's this propaganda now that you're healthy at any size, and that is a that is a categorical lie. And anybody who works in the healthcare field, any nurse, anybody will tell you what a lie that is. Obesity is a huge risk factor for all sorts of things. Um, so watch that weight, folks. And yeah, this is the octave of Easter. So fast, fasting is not not on the agenda quite so much during this week, but can't recommend enough. And, and I know it's, you know, that, well, that's the reason why people are gaining weight and eating so much is because of basically boredom. And it's just eating is just something to do and something to pass the time. And, you know, I've experienced it myself having more food in the house um, just because there's, the ability to eat out in any sense is completely now eliminated. So there's food in the house at all times. And, you know, you find yourself walking through the kitchen and, oh, look, a banana. And then it's eaten, you know, and it's just you you tend to consume more calories. You got to get on top of that and get after that fasting after the octave of Easter and um, don't let it get out of control. Don't be gaining a bunch of weight. And the other thing is, I don't think you'll be able to buy a bunch of clothes. Um, you don't want to be gaining weight out of your wardrobe at this time. And also, let me also point out that a hell of a lot of clothes come from China. So who knows what's going to happen on in, in that sense. Make it a priority to stay in the clothes that you have now. Either that or you may... <laughs> I don't know what the alternative is there. Yeah, it's a great idea to not outgrow your your wardrobe when you don't have the ability to go replace it. Great, that's right. great idea. Yeah. Yep. So that's the little pep talk there. Should we? What would our way one one forty or so? We should probably call yeah, her an episode. Getting close. Uh, yep. One one quick correction, real quick. I wanted to make is that uh, we talked about the um, the seven hail marys for the seven sorrows of Our Lady. It was pointed out to me it's not seven Hail Marys total, it's seven per sorrow. And I've heard different names like the Servite Rosary or some different devotions. I'll try to find a link to that and uh, include that in the show notes as well. So it, apparently there are rosaries that are made. I mean, technically it's not a rosary, but it, it's a rosary-like um, mm -hmm. sacramental with seven sets of seven beads. So, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've started praying that. And the one that I pulled up online, it's just... One Hail Mary after the meditation on each of the sorrows. So if it's seven per, that kind of actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do a little more research. Um, okay. if, if there's not a link in the show notes for this one, it means I haven't you know sufficiently hit myself with a clue by four on this one yet, and uh, we'll bring <laughs> it up in the next podcast. So 
Um, I think with that, we can go ahead and, and start moving in, into the uh, the wrap up. I, I wanted to mention that uh, because it was mentioned to me. It's like, oh, I do not want to make a mistake to our lady. It's like, OK, I, I, if I made a mistake, it was out of ignorance. I, I have plenty of that in my, going around in my head. So uh, it, I'll, I'll find the correct answer and get it out there. But until then, the email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, lamb recipes, or the answer to how many Hail Marys you're supposed to say and what the proper name for this is and what the, the link for the devotion is, you can send that to podcast at barnhart.biz. Masses for Anne's benefactors, not so many of them public anymore at the moment, uh, but definitely <laughs> at least one every single day, usually yeah. more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, once every single week, there's a requiem for everybody who died the previous week. Please, please pray for the priests who are offering these masses. Um, priests are being targeted uh, in, in many devious, diabolical ways right now, not just by the darn COVID-19, but um, I can't say more without, you know, if you if you know, if you know priests, you know they're being targeted by all, yeah. all kinds of things. So please pray for them. Uh, the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or in previous episodes and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com slash donate for the mailing address. Still no digital means yet. Um, I, I, I don't think there was anything since the last show, so I'll just recredit the same folks from last time, James, Marty, Rick, and Richard. Um, thank you. And, and uh, for anyone who wants to send in a, a donation to keep the uh, technical operational side of this uh, funded, that's at supernerdmedia.com slash donate. And with that, I will let you wrap up with Matthew 17.20. Real quick before I get into Matthew 17.20, I made a post on this, I think a couple of days ago, but I'll reiterate it here verbally on the podcast because I have recurring donations set up through Continue to Give. I want to say again, folks, if you're out there and you've got a recurring donation set up through to me through Continue to Give, and you are in financial straits, do not hesitate. Do not hesitate to go to continue to give, log into your profile, and cancel, suspend the recurring donation to me if you need to. Do not hesitate to do that. If that if you need to do that, don't worry at all. I'll be fine. Everything will be fine. But, you know, I know that a lot of people have are staring down the barrel of losing businesses, not being able to make payroll, not being able to make a mortgage payment, a car payment, pay utility bills. I mean, just, I understand if you're, if you're up against a wall and you're strapped financially and you've got a a donation set up for me in continue to give, do not hesitate to cancel that thing if you need to. And you know what, if, if things resolve and things shake out and you can you can restart it again at some point in the future if you want to. But if you need to cancel it now, don't you dare hesitate. It's it's okay. It's okay if I see a, a cancellation come across. I'm not going to be the least bit upset, and I'm gonna I'm gonna assume and understand that that's the situation that's going on. And in fact, I'll take a look and look at the name and and say extra prayers for you. So don't hesitate with me now with Super Nerd. He's everything that he receives is basically through the mail at this point. So you know, everybody who's sending is sending consciously free will in the moment. Um, I'm speaking to the folks who have the recurring set up for me that have, some of them have been set up for multiple years, you know. Um, but if you need that money, if you need that money, do what you got to do. I'm fine. I'm good. Um, Matthew 17, 20, 
is of course um, fasting twice a week and prayers every day if you can um, for the fourfold intention that the Bergolian anti-papacy be publicly recognized and um, and brought to a swift conclusion um, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision, and that Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of anything that he might need to repent of, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. And yes, I am convinced that these events, um, the divine providence, that the the resolution of the Bergoglian anti-papacy is, is clearly going to be connected, and, and the divine providence is working such that this situation and what's going on in Rome is going to be integral to it. Yeah, I'm convinced of that. So please, Lord, let the maximum good come out of this as quickly as possible. Yeah, we're after the salvation of souls here, not the destruction of them. So yep. until next week, I or until next time, maybe it's next week, maybe it's tomorrow. No, until next <laughs> time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. Bye.